Hey, thanks so much for stopping by the Roar Church Podcast. This is Pastor Anthony. We're believing that today's going to be a great day. Let's jump in today's message. Tonight, I know it's a little different, but I felt like the Lord said we needed to gather in response to everything that has been going on. The last time we gathered here in our house uh, was the night that the governor made a, another response and said, we basically, we can't sing in public no more. We need to stop. We need to quiet down. Our, our, our worshiping Jesus is going to spread the COVID. And so we gathered here and we lifted up Jesus as a bunch of sinners and a bunch of rebellious people. And then I woke up on Tuesday morning and a number of pastors were reaching out to me saying, what are you guys going to do? And I'm like, what are we doing about what? I'm not even seeing what you're talking about. And they're saying, your governor again has now issued no more home churches, no house churches. And I was like, man, come on, bro. Exactly. Laugh about it because that's how I felt. But can I just tell you, nothing and nobody is going to stop us worshiping Jesus. Nothing. And tonight I'm going to ask you to be seated. I initially did not think I was going to uh, speak. And I know there's no chairs. Because like I said, like I said, I I thought we were just going to do a worship night. But I find it somewhat funny the way that God sets things up. The last two days, Brittany, are we getting chairs? Do we need to call Johan? Does Johan need to bring in chairs? Do we need to do all this? And I'm like, nah, it's just going to be a worship night. No big deal. We're not going to worry about it. We'll sing some songs. We're going to proclaim Jesus, and then we're just going to shut it down and go home. As I woke up this morning, God said, no, sir, that's not what you're going to do. There's a message that needs to be delivered tonight. And so I'm going to ask you to bear with me for about 20 or 30 minutes. I know you might get uncomfortable, but guess what? We think... Worshiping Jesus always comes in a place of comfortability. We think our comfortableness has to do with that's the only way God can move is when we're in a place of comfortability. And I believe, we've been speaking it for some time now, that that God is here and he's, I won't say that he, uh, he brought on COVID, but I will say he's allowed COVID to take place. And we are living out Acts 4 in the natural. We are literally living it out, Acts 4, right now. But I came with a word for somebody to let you know there's revival in the air tonight. There's revival in the air. There's revival in the air. You know, since we moved to California, I've been trying to, for two years, make a trip up to the redwoods because I'm so engulfed in the in just how large these trees are. We're from the east coast, west coast is a little different, but these trees, every time I see pictures of them, I am literally blown away at how large they can grow. Yeah. And oftentimes we look at church and our lives as wanting to grow as tall as a redwood. That tree is one of the largest, it's one of the tallest, it's got one of the most width of a base, but it also has roots that go down just as deep as anything. 
It's not just the magnitude of how tall it's, it is. It's the magnitude of how deep its roots are. It's a very firm rooted tree. It's very hard to break it. It's very hard to shake it up. It's very hard to knock it over. But it's amazing to me. With a redwood tree, it produces 100,000 seeds every year. But very few of those seeds ever turn into a redwood. And the reason why it never turns into a redwood is because there's no stewardship over the seed. Come on now. See, in church, we have endless possibilities. With God, there are endless possibilities. But it often determines on what you allowed and what you allow to steward yourself and you steward with somebody else. You, and how you steward your walk with Christ. 1 Peter 2 and 5 says it like this, You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That word sacrifices means there's moments and times where it's not going to always feel good to worship God. It's not always going to be easy. Sometimes there's a sacrificial praise that has to go on. And sometimes we don't get everything that we've been praying for. And oftentimes what, what, what it's saying here in Peter uh, 2 and 5 is it's the stone. It's the little by little, the brick by brick. In Leviticus 6 and 12, God lights the fire in the altar. But then he goes on to tell him it's the priest's job to see that it remains burning. God oftentimes gives us victory, but it's our, our job to steward ourselves to walk in victory, to maintain that victory. He is giving us an opportunity to live as his, as his children, to walk as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. But it's not always easy to do that. Because oftentimes we choose what's easy in life. Looking around at everybody that's in this place, I'm sure your hineys are getting a little sore right now. I'm sure your legs are getting a little sore right now. But that's because we're used to doing church where it's easy. And what I'm saying, it is God's heart for revival no matter what circumstances are. No matter if we're in a building, no matter if we're, we're, we're in, uh, in a house, no matter if uh, the only time that you're getting God is through your phone. He gives us opportunities, but he also gives us the free will choice to commune with him, to dine with him, to sit with him, to love on him, to express our gratitudes toward him. It's what we have to do as disciples to stewardship, to stewardship our minds to, to walk in the faithfulness of God. One of the greatest killers of revival is laziness. It's complacency. It's envy. It's competition. It's competition in our churches. It's amazing. We post hey, we're going to do this worship night because this is what God has called us to. And we're not a normal church. We believe that God has called us to be a revivalist church. And part of being a revivalist church means we often take charge before anybody else. It's amazing. I woke up this morning to like four other churches. Hey, we're doing a worship night all of a sudden. 
And, and it, it's not that it's a negative thing. It's the issue is, is we have leaders and pastors and people that have no true identity in Christ. So rather than hearing what is God giving them for the marching order for their church, it's what can I see from Stephen Furtick that will give that he's walking into can I just tell you I can't be Stephen Furtick I can't be Elevation I can't be any other church other than what I'm called to be but that often comes in me stewarding myself to walk in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ one of the other killers is our expectation versus what God's reality is Maybe where God is trying to, to do something new. Where God is trying to birth something that maybe is a different road. Maybe it's not as easy. But we choose to take the easy road because it's the easy way. Can I tell you? I have yet to see any great victory come with somebody that's not willing to put in the work. That's not willing to do the, the things that are, that are called to them. Does this make sense to anybody? We trust the works of man oftentimes more than we trust the words of what God is saying to do. Uh, That's a hard pill to swallow. We often trust what looks easy for the other person more than it is what is what God is saying for us to do. God, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. God, I need a word from you. God gives us a word and then, yeah, but, but they're doing it this way. It looks so easy that way. Yeah. Can I just tell somebody that's watching tonight? That's because that's what God gave them. Yeah. The reason why you see them walk in the blessing so quickly is because that is what God ordained for them. What God is looking for you, what God is looking for you and us tonight and as a body and as a church is he is saying, find the road of where my blessing is. And part of that blessing is choosing not to stop. Peter and John had a a choice in Acts 4. Were they going to sit quiet and allow the the religious ones, the governors, to say, hey, don't speak the name of Jesus, don't do all these things, and if you do, we're going to set you in prison? Or will you stand in the face of darkness? Will you stand in the face of the enemy? Will you stand in the face of no matter what political side you think it is, if it's not God, it's not the right side. It's not a left side. It's not a right side. It's God's side. God's heart is for revival. And God reveals to us that we can be as strong as these red trees. But we often forget it starts with the seed. In order for that tree to grow, Isaac, it started with something that was unseen. It was the little by little by little by little by little, the constant watering. It's time for change. God is for life. Revival is for life. Revival is for change. So 
Psalms 34 and 8 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You want to know where God is? He's in the hard places. You want to know where God is? He's in the dark spots. You want to know where God is? He's where darkness is. Why? Because he's trying to change darkness. He's trying to change the nation. Our nation is filled with a place of hopelessness. And more than ever, he's looking for a church to stand in the gap and said, hey, you can persecute me all you want. You can even send me to prison. But guess what? I'm still going to preach Jesus here, and I'm still going to preach Jesus there. I had a conversation with my brother this morning. I said, fam, you may have to bail me out. He said, are you sure you want to do this? I said, at whatever sake the call is, I'm doing it. Whatever it is, if it's for Jesus, I'm going to do it. And I believe he's looking for some other people to do it as well. God's nature is to nurture revival. But it's through the stewarding of what's been given to you. Scripture tells us that we've all been given a measure of faith. And that measure of faith, as much as we probably ask for more of it, God has already given it to us to deal with whatever issues that we're already going through. There is no obstacle that is too big or too grand that overtakes the faith that's already been given to you. The work is finished. There's a song by William McDowell. That, that talks about the, the fullness and the completeness of God. It's already done. We have to have faith, even if it's the size of a mustard seed. That size of faith will change and move every mountain. God is not only the God of the red tree, but He is also God of the small little flowers that are outside of our house. What am I saying by that? That God is not only the, the God of the mountaintops, but he is also the God of valleys. Yeah. Deuteronomy 33.3, when Moses is giving his, his final little speech to, to all of his people before Joshua takes them into the promised land, he looks at them and says, uh, do not forget the God of the mountaintops, but he is also uh, the God of the low points in the yes. valley. God is what is underneath us. Yes. God is what is below us. We cannot abort this move of God. We cannot abort revival because it's not coming in the form of fashion that our minds thought it was going to come. For 17 years, I've been in full-time ministry. We've been married now for 14 years. Happy anniversary to you, by the way. But... For, 14, or for 17 years, my biggest crutch, especially in this season, has been, God, I know you've called me to be a revivalist. In 1997, in Knoxville, Tennessee, at a conference called Winterfest, I remember getting zapped by God in an altar call with Pastor Lyndall Cooley, who was from the Brownsville Revival that was still in the height. And I remember getting so ate up with the move of God that night that I knew that that night marked me for the rest of my life. I knew then that I was called to be a revivalist. 
I knew that at some point in time, I would lead a great awakening. But the issue that I have fought with in this season is the awakening did not come in the form or the fashion that I'm seeing it come in now. Because here's what I thought. We immediately think of revival and we we put, hey, it's going to be a a revival every night of the week. On Monday night, we had revival. On Tuesday night, we had revival. On Wednesday night, we had revival. On Thursday night, revival. And you know what? This happened for 30 days, Pastor Anthony. You know what? This revival happened for so long. And in my mind, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, yo, God wants to give us revival for like a hundred days. Could you imagine us coming together every single night and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are being outpoured like crazy and people are getting healed and people are getting set free and all these things are happening. But God, if you could just give us a hundred days of this, this was what revival is. And this is what I was made for. And God said, no, it's not because you are putting a limitation on what I can do. You're looking at a hundred days and I'm saying I'm a God of revival for eternity. There is no number. There is no time limit on revival. There is no time limit on what God can do. God is giving us an invitation to meet him in a new and mighty fresh way. And I believe that there is a revival that is coming. I believe that there's a new awakening coming. But I also believe it's going to be done in a new form and a new fashion than a way that it's ever been done before. There's a fresh wind blowing. There's a new sound coming. And I hear the armies of the Lord saying, March, 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 roar. It's time to march, roar. It's time to march, roar. We can't just be hearers of the word. We must be responders of the word. We must respond quickly. Romans 12 and 1 and 2, uh, the message version says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you but it's only when we respond to him quickly because what happens when God begins to speak we set back if we don't respond we become complacent in that word we become comfortable in that word God you told me to go change the world but now here I am He's looking for us to be responders, but he's looking for us to respond when it's time to respond. When Pastor Anthony says it's time to march, that means it's time to attack. When it's time to attack means it's time to march. Our breakthrough, I'm here to prophesy to somebody. Our breakthrough is closer than we ever thought. Our victory is closer than we ever thought. Listen, your breakthrough is closer than you'll ever be now if you'll just keep marching, says the Lord. Revival, though, is not just inclusive to a person or to a building. It is meant to transcend cultures. It's not just meant for a hundred days. It's not just meant for six months. It's not just meant for whatever time period that we look at revival and say, this is what we feel revival is. When I say it's here to transcend cultures, that means it goes from my generation to his generation to his generation. It surpasses, it constantly goes and goes and goes and goes. That's why the word says his word goes from glory to glory to glory. It didn't say it goes from glory to glory and stops. No, his says from glory to glory. He wants us to breathe revival. He wants us to walk in revival. He wants us to taste revival. That's why scripture says taste and see that the Lord is good. 
It's not so that you can taste him once and put him aside. It's so that you can taste him once and never leave his side. Let me say that again. When scripture tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good, it's not so that you can taste him once and put him aside. It's so that you can taste him once and never leave his side. The more you come to him, the more you can taste of him. The more you come to him, the more I can recognize the scent of heaven. I can still tell you, I'm 37 years old, I can still remember the smell of the altar the night I gave my life to Jesus. I can still remember the scent the first time that I was drunk in the Holy Spirit for five and six hours and they had to carry me home and they put me in a car and I was still tongue talking and I was still doing all these things I can still remember the taste of that night because it was the true goodness of the Lord God's heart is to baptize us in the gifts but the true identity of what the gifts came to do was to give us power and to give us boldness And what God is looking for from his church in this season is boldness. Part of revival is not just being kooky and and praying fire down on people and, and speaking in tongues and all that stuff. All that's great. I'm all for it. Anybody that knows me knows I'm for it. But what God is looking for in this time and in this season and what I believe he's looking for as we go forward is some people that are filled with that spirit that can still walk in boldness and they can be in Costco or they can be in their workplace and they're not weirding people out going, but they're coming up and saying, hey, you know God loves you? You know God is for you? Do you realize that we serve an unshakable kingdom of heaven? That's what the boldness of what God is looking for. It does no good for me to go up to a a non-believer and start speaking in tongues and them looking at me going, what? But I can guarantee you, if you'll get some boldness and come up to that person and say, hey man, you may not know God, but tonight's your night. You may not know Jesus, but can I lead you to the Father? That's boldness. That's taking charge. It's time to march. Revival brings new ways of thinking. It's what brings life. It's what brings change. It's what we have here in California. There has to be a new way of thinking. God's heart was not for the virus. Hear me. I do not believe that God's heart is for the virus. But I also believe that God has allowed the virus to stay in still because never in the, the time that I've been here have I seen the church cry out to God for, for an answer than ever before. So oftentimes what ends up happening, Paul said it like this, I have this affliction, I have this thorn, but I'm, I'm going to keep walking, but God, I'm crying out to you to take it. The reason why oftentimes God allows us to keep that thorn is because we keep crying out to him. He's sitting here going, hey, if I take that thorn, you may not worship me the way you, you did before. If I take that thorn away, you may not cry out to me in the desperation that you had before because I know what it's like to be addicted. I know what it's like to deal with pornography. And I can remember nights when I'm preaching and singing songs and watching and walking off stages and I'm going, God, can you please deliver me from this? And God's saying, I will, but I also enjoy your worship because of this. Because there's a true heartfelt cry from my spirit that was longing for him. That I knew 
JT, that if I didn't get his presence, if I didn't get his touch, if I didn't really cry out to him and dig into him, that I wasn't going to get the strength that I needed to overcome the obstacle that was in front of me. Come on, can we just stand to our feet real quick and just say, Jesus, we love you. We're crying out to you for a moment. We're not done yet. We're just crying out to you. We're crying out to you. We're your people. We're your people. We're your people. We're your people. You can be seated. You can be seated. I ain't done yet. God's desire is for us to live in a place of revival. To live in a place of desperation for Him. I was on a phone call this this past week and I said, you know, the thing that I love about what's going on, even in being a church planner in this season, is that I literally have to cry out to the Spirit of God day and night that He will make a way. Because if he, if he don't make a way, we in trouble. And I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about my family's in trouble. We would be homeless. And it's not a performance mentality thing. It's a desperation for Jesus to come and meet our needs. It's a desperation that says, God, we need you in the midst of this trial more than ever before. Every great revival will have a great opposition. Every great revivalist dealt with opposition. The story of William Tyndale making the Bible as we know it. He was burnt at the stake for transcribing Scripture so that you and I could walk in the favor of Jesus, so that we could read this word. In the early 1900s, the church went through the persecution from the, the, the worldly, because it was the praying in tongues movement. There's some crazy people out there. The 1960s, it was the Jesus movement. They're nothing but a bunch of hippies. They must be high on LSD and all these other things. But the true matter of it was, is they were really having God encounters that were changing society. And they didn't care what anybody thought anymore. These were people that were filled with tattoos. These were people that were filled with with, with sin. And they were coming and being changed and made whole. Revival was changing their lives. Toronto Revival. The laughing spirit pours out. The world again. Heck, even the church. The laughing spirit. The laughing spirit? God forbid the church be happy and worship Jesus in the same manner. It's a little weird. The 90s, it was the Brownsville revival. I remember about nine years ago, speaking to people that were in the Brownsville revival that worked on staff there. And the thing that messed me up was, man, we loved the Brownsville revival. But it wrecked so many families because it took so much time. God forbid we have to worship Jesus past our comfortability. God forbid we actually do what heaven is actually calling us to do. 
The hate will always come. When we're in the midst of revival, opposition will always come on the heels of revival. Every great move of God here was on the heels of great chaos, craziness in our nation. And we love the idea of revival. We love the idea of freedom. We love the idea of being a Christ follower. I spoke about this a couple weeks ago. Are you a fan or are you a follower? We love the idea of all these things until we get into it and we really see what avenue we're walking down. Until we realize that there's going to be confrontation. Until we realize there's going to be opposition. Until we realize we actually are fighting against darkness. That the, these things that we've been reading about in Scripture that says we fight not with flesh and blood, with, with, but with principalities, that these things are real, true stuff. But Jesus, I'm thankful, said, I come to give you life and life abundantly. The mind, the body will get offended, but it will lead you to the appropriate surrender of the heart. It will lead you to the surrender of the heart. The thing that was resisting us is now going to launch us. The thing that once held us captive is the place that's going to catapult us into our next destiny, into our next season. When revival comes into the room, impossible situations become possible. When true revival comes and happens, the ones that are captive begin to walk in a whole new level of freedom that they never thought they could. But I felt like the Lord said this morning, and the reason why I'm preaching this is because over the weekend, we had a worship. God just kind of took over, and it was great. But at the end of the, the, the worship broadcast segment, I don't know what you want to call this, I felt like the Lord said it's time to go back. And I was so moved because there's not many times that I'm, that I'm often remembered of God telling us to go back as much as he's telling us to go forward. God gave Moses a word and told Moses to go and Moses starts moving and he's walking away from Egypt and, and God kind of checks Moses and says, no, 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 fam. You, you got to go back to Egypt and when you get back to Egypt, you got to get the people and then I'll take you to the promised land. But the only way he got to the promise was his ability to go back, to go forward. Could it be? That God has allowed us to go two steps back in order for us to go about ten steps forward. I've said this since day one. The revival that needs to happen is not in the churches. It's in the houses. And so tonight, there's some plans that I want to lay out for Roar Church. And what's getting ready to happen for these next months ahead? We are going to release and launch house churches all across this city. Here's what I mean. The thing that the enemy wants to do in this pandemic is to get, it's not so much get rid of the churches, but he wants to get the people by themselves. Who cares about if we're not in the four walls of a church anymore? 
But what the enemy always tries to do is to get you in a singular place. Because the truth of the matter is, is when we're by ourselves, we're probably all still laying in bed just worshiping Jesus. But that's not how we can worship Jesus. It's not in the comfortable state. I almost have to rebuke myself from the first post that we made. Hey, get in your PJs, relax, grab your cup of water, and get into all this, do whatever you want to do, make it real cool like we're trying to, you know, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is now we're, we're, we're raising uh, not headless Christians at that point, but we're, we're, we're raising weak warriors. That the only way now that we can worship Jesus is if we're in a comfortable place. God never called us to be comfortable, ever. He never called us to be comfortable. He has designed us to fight. He's designed us to press against opposition. If there's darkness and I'm light, then light has to come and overtake darkness. So it, it's, it, I said this uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's, it's in our suffering he's establishing. So when we're... Together as one, it feels good in here, right? It it doesn't matter that Pastor Anthony is singing with tracks and all this stuff. It doesn't matter that there's not a live band or anything like that. What, What makes it powerful in here is that there is community in here. And that we're all focused on one thing. We're all focused on a singular feel. We want the presence and move of God. Am I right? But when we're by ourselves... Is that same power there? So what we have to do as a church is now look at the scenario and look at the road that God has given us and say, okay, so how do we game plan around this for maybe until January? We're not limited to a building. So starting this weekend... Everybody needs to be getting in some house churches. Six, seven, eight, nine people where you can gather together. Have church here on your TV. Lift up Jesus together. Stand up and shout. Allow that energy to fill the room. Allow his presence to fill you. Break bread with each other. Have communion. And guess what, that, guess what else that is? That's true discipleship right there. We have everything we need. If we'll trust in the God of revival. We have everything we need. If we will just trust in the God of revival. Of what his reality is versus my expectation is. Because never in a million years, I'm going to tell you, did I see this next move of God happening the way it is. But the more I've prayed about it the last week. Because this is, it just awakened to me this past week. I was talking to JT actually yesterday, kind of working some, my thoughts out. And I said, could it be that this is the thing that will break it open across the nation? We don't have no massive building. God has called us to the underground church. It's amazing. Last year at this time uh, in August, I spoke at a youth conference in Sarasota, Florida. And as I was speaking to some of the leaders there, I I made a joke and I said, you know, after everything that our church had been through, Britt and I 
you know, had to go on basically house arrest so we didn't get sued by a place that we were working for. And, but we knew we wanted to continue with church, but we decided to do it in an underground way. And I said, I almost felt like God was preparing us for what was getting ready to come in America. Now, let me pause. I'm not saying we knew this was coming. But what I am saying is, oftentimes God already knows what's getting ready to happen and he'll prepare us so that we already have the faith to see it through. We just have to open our homes. You've said and you've prayed, God, I want to be used by you. Doesn't matter if you have tattoos. Doesn't matter if you feel like you're the most disqualified person. You want to know what qualifies us in the heart of God, in the eyes of God, is you just saying, hey God, here I am. And you know all you got to do in this season? Open your home up. Invite some of your friends over. Put on iRoar TV and let's worship together and let's lift up Jesus together and let's spread the gospel. You don't even have to make yourself uncomfortable. Your hiney don't got to get tight, nothing like that. You just, hey, we're going to lift up Jesus. You guys want to come over? You believe we can do this? There's one story I want to end with tonight. And it's about going back. It's about going back to what we thought our Egypt was, to a place that we thought there was no life but to only find out that the greatest thing we could have ever done was go back to our Egypt where God could step in. In Genesis 26, 18 through 25, God tells Isaac to go reopen the wells of his father. His father was Abraham. There was a place where Abraham had dug that was enriched with water underneath the ground. It was where there was a well of life. Over time, before Isaac had grown up, these religious ones poured disbelief on it, poured sin on it, poured all these things and covered that well up with dirt. Do you get what I'm saying? This well that was once here is no longer here because these Pharisees decide, you know what, we can't allow this well to to come. So Isaac comes and and he digs and he finds a well and they say, no, that's... That, that's our will. So Isaac's like, okay, whatever. I'll move on to another place. Isaac, no, 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 that's another place. So finally Isaac on the third try goes and he, ke- he keeps digging. And all of a sudden he strikes again and it's his. And, and I felt like the Lord said, Roar Church, you've been trying to find your avenue. But the key to this is just like Isaac, you got to keep digging. You got to keep pressing. You got to keep going because there is a well And there's a well of life. But what God is calling us is Isaac had to build an altar. He had to rest in that place. He had to rest in that moment in order for God to do what he had to do. He had to pitch a tent there. He had to put a place of resting. His home was over the dwell or over over what he was uh, uh, digging into in this well. Where there was life. We find ourselves in a storm. We find ourselves in a hole. But can I tell you, anytime you're in a hole, you're closer to the water than you think you ever are. When you feel like you're the farthest from God, you're actually the nearest to His heart. And it's time to grab our shovels. And it's time to dig. It's not the way we thought it was going to be. But it's our expectation versus God's reality. And God's reality is calling for a church to stand up 
and march. Stand to your feet tonight. God's heart is for us to flourish. Hear me. God's heart for roar is to flourish. God's heart for you, for you, for you is to flourish. You can't walk and look at the opposition in the natural. You've got to tap into the kingdom realm, to the spiritual realm to see what is getting ready to take place. As I have prayed these last 48 hours, I keep hearing God say, you think it's death, but it's about to be the greatest birthing ever. Because it's not going to come in the form and the fashion that you thought, but it's going to come in the form and fashion of what God thought. Father, I lift up our hands to you right now. Coach Barsh preached a message last week and he ended with a statement that I believe that was a prophetic push for our church. That we've got to get this understanding now because revival is definitely in the air here, church. It's definitely in the air. The thing that we've been praying for, it's right in front of us if we'll just keep marching together. And you hear me? If we'll just keep marching together. The coach said it like this. Roar Church. Revival is not only now, but revival is here. It's here. here if you can get your mind wrapped around what God is trying to do so with every hand stretched high tonight I pray for the minds of every person every believer every person watching tonight I pray for your mind to be awakened to the sound from heaven that the wind that's blowing the storm that's brewing or is around you is not a storm of destruction but it's a storm of of placing you back to where you need to go. Trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. I hear the Lord saying, trust the process. Come on, can we just for about a minute or two, can we lift up our voice all across this room and just lift lift up a sound of freedom to him. Come on, sing a song to him. Sing a song to him. Come on, sing a song to him. Come on, sing a song to him. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Stand in the face of opposition as Peter and John did. You may not be perfect but you're still his son. You may not have it all together, but you're still his daughter. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today at Roar Church Podcast. We pray that today's message 
absolutely blessed you. Hey, there's many ways that you can help support this ministry and give to this ministry. And one is by texting the keywords, Roar Give to 77977. Listen, we cannot reach people without your help and this stuff doesn't happen without the support of many. So we thank you for partnering with us and we'll see you later.